Uh, good evening. Oh, it's nice to, to have a good evening back. I, I'm seeing a few faces that perhaps I don't know. My name is Jeremiah, and, yeah, and I know who you are too. And I get the absolute honor to, to share with you tonight around this idea of reach. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about reach, and there's been three that we've that we've been going to preach on, so we've done two already, and we're now on to our third. The first one was our reach up, was our relationship with God. We are made for a fully, full-time job. We were created for a full-time relationship with God. So as we continue to reach up with Him and grow that, we'll continue to grow with Him. And then last week, Anna shared with us about reaching in, reaching in to look at God's perspective of us. So often we look at ourselves and we go, oh, we don't have anything. We're not anyone significant. We don't add up to much. But reaching in is truly about what God has placed within us, the gifts and abilities, the talents, the things that we desire and love to do that God has placed in us that we can then use for the third thing, which is to reach out to be a blessing to others. And I love how Anna summed it up when she was sitting on the panel. She said, it's looking at yourself yourself through God's perspective, reaching in. It was just a great way to sum it up. So reaching out, what does it mean to reach out? Well, now we've, we've talked about growing in our relationship with God, maybe by reading your word, maybe going to prayer meetings and praying daily to encourage one another to grow in our relationship with God. That's the reach up. And then we've reached in and gone, what things do I have? But what does it actually mean to reach out? See, when I grew up in church, I had the, the great privilege of growing up in a great local church. And for many years, I thought that reaching out meant that I could stand on a platform with a microphone and tell people about the good news of Jesus. I thought that's truly what it meant to reach out. If I was going to be of any one of significance, if I was going to do anything for God, I was going to stand behind a pulpit and say, Jesus loves you. And that was going to be my way of reaching out. But reaching out isn't just standing here. In fact, this is just one place of a whole range of things in your life and your spheres of influence and your work where you actually reach out probably a whole lot more to a whole lot more people and a much bigger influence and capacity than what anyone could ever do standing here. You meet so many more people that don't know Jesus than I'll ever meet standing here. Hey, my hope and my prayer is that one day they'll come. They'll come sit in this place and they will know a relationship with Jesus. They'll continue to grow and know what it is to be whole and healed by him. But you, in your area, in your place, have a much greater influence and capacity to reach out than than anyone ever standing on a podium with a microphone. I want to turn to Acts chapter 9. And for those of you who've been around church for a while, you'll know this is the story of uh, Saul on his way to Damascus. And Saul's going to Damascus and he's been given permission to arrest anyone who started to follow this Jesus guy. 
They've started living a bit differently. They've started kind of breaking some of the religious rules. And so he's gone there to, to put a stop to it. But on his way there, Saul is suddenly struck by a bright light. And it blinds him. And he's like, who are you, Lord? Well, it was the Lord and it was Jesus. And, and Jesus meets him in that place and tells him to go into Damascus where he'll meet a man named Ananias. And that's where I want to pick the story up here with this man named Ananias in verse 10 of uh, Acts chapter 9. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. It's good when he calls your name because you know he's talking to you. And Ananias replies, yes, Lord. Instantly, Ananias knew that it was God. To me, that shows that he had a relationship with God, right? There's not many times, or there's lots of times when God speaks to me and I go, oh, was that him? Maybe, maybe it was just me thinking. Maybe it wasn't. But as I've grown in my relationship with him, as I've spent more time with him, as I've read his Bible more and learned the things that he would say, when God speaks, I now, I now say, yes, Lord. So Ananias here we know that he's been reaching out. We know that he's been spending time with God because he knows God. All, all God says is Ananias, simply his name. And he replies, yes, Lord. Verse 11, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Paul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this is the man, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Verse 17 says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Just stopping there for a moment. Why in the world do they need to put, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it? Well, of course he did. God had asked him to go do something. He'd argued about it, but because he had a relationship with God, he knew that he had to do what he could do. He couldn't just sit at home and go, Saul! He couldn't just yell it. You know, God said to him, go to a man on Straight Street. He couldn't just sit at home and go, well, I hope Saul comes to me. Or then he didn't, he didn't say he went to the house. He didn't go knock on the door and go, Saul, anybody home? He didn't stand outside and yell through the window, can I come in? He didn't do any of that. He just went to the house and he entered it. Ananias did what he could do. See, so often when we think about the gifts and abilities that God's placed in us, we go, oh, but I can't do this great big thing. I'm not a great communicator. I'm not really good with kids. I can't really do this. Well, Ananias, he went to the house and he entered it. Most of you probably go to a house and can enter it. Am I wrong? See, that's what he did. That's all we know, really is that he did what he knew he could do. See, the other thing is with when we talk about Peter and he walks on the water and he says to Jesus, call me out and I'll walk on the water. 
And Jesus says, come to me. And Peter steps out on the boat. The fact that Peter could walk wasn't surprising, right? Peter could already walk. It was the fact that he was walking on water. See, Peter only had to step out and do what he could already do and allow God to do the rest. So when Ananias, when he went to the house, well, of course he went to the house and he entered it because that's what he in his natural state and his physical body as a man, that's what he could do. That was a gift and ability that he could place, that God had placed in him, that he could go to a house and he could enter it. Okay, so he's now in the house. Let's read this next bit. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you get that? Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, placing his hands, as soon as he's in the house, he reaches out. As soon as he's there, he places his hands on Saul. And then he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you. Saul already knows that. Saul already knows that Jesus came and met him on the road. Has sent me so that you may see again. Yep, well, he knew that someone else he'd seen in a vision that Ananias was coming to see him. Ananias doesn't amaze him with all that God's told him that Saul is going to do. He doesn't say, start with, hello, how are you? The first thing he does is reach out to Paul, to Saul. And then he tells him what he already knows. He meets him where he's at. He doesn't try to astound him with this great revelation of God and where he sees Saul in the future years. He doesn't start saying to Saul, Saul, you are God's chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. He doesn't start with that. He doesn't start that you're going to tell all the kings and the people of Israel. He doesn't start with you're going to, God's going to show you how much you have to suffer for my name. Now, Ananias just went and he reached out to Saul and started telling him things that he actually already knew. So when I look at that, I go, well, if it's all about going into people's houses, going to meet them when God's called me to go somewhere, and then meet them where they're at, things they already know, well, I could do that. It's less scary when I have to not have a big prophecy for them or have to astound them with a miracle. It's simply doing what you can do and allowing God to do all that he can do. And then Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. So then Saul started spending time with some like-minded people. Didn't straight away start doing anything, but he spent time around those people. As Ananias came and he shared with what he already knew, then Saul began to shift and change. And then it says, at once he began to preach. This is Saul now. In the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. Yet Saul grew up, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. It's amazing. Ananias, all he did was he heard from God. He knew God. He knew that it was God who'd called him because he had a relationship with God. He then did in the natural and the physical what he could do, allowing God all that he needed to do. And then Saul caught a hold of that and began to teach. 
Saul began to reach out. But notice this pattern. There's this reach up. I meet with God. I know God. I grow my relationship with him. I reach in. I learn about the gifts and abilities, the talents that he's placed in my life. And now I can't help but reach out. Now I'm meeting with you. I'm reaching out to you. By living a life simply that honors God and obeys him. Not trying to astound people with all your knowledge or your full understanding. Full understanding. Who has full understanding? But meeting people where they're at, telling them about the Jesus who loves them. See, like me back when I was back in my local church, back when I was younger, trying to figure out what is my reaching out look like? What is it going to look like for me to go and tell people about this good news of Jesus? And I thought that it meant standing here on a platform, but it's not that. For some people, it's their home, their school, their class, their friends, their kitchen, your sports team, your place of work, the area you serve in, your family. Where is your platform? Where are you positioned in your life to share the good news of Jesus where you are? Because you'll be in a whole lot of places that I'm not. You'll be in a whole lot of places that people beside you are not. See, reaching out is all about others. And if we're truly all about others, then others aren't all sat here. We need to go into every area and tell them. Tell them your story. Introduce them to a man named Jesus. Leaving high school, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew that maybe God might have called me one day to work full-time for his church. But I knew that wasn't my job right now at 17 when I left school. And so I started thinking, well, what has God placed in me? What do I love to do? What are my passions? What am I actually good at? And I figured out I actually really like working with kids. In fact, the kids that I worked with, it broke my heart that some of them didn't have a loving family, didn't have a support system, couldn't learn, couldn't grow in a healthy place. And I thought, well, how can I invest in young people? And then I figured out I was quite bossy and controlling. So I thought, well, what's the natural place to go? Well, it's teaching. Everyone who knows a teacher goes, yep. <laughs> and everyone who has a teacher goes, yeah. <laughs> so I went and I studied teaching. It wasn't my favorite thing to do, but I knew that they were gifts and abilities that I had. I knew they were things that I was good at and actually kind of enjoyed doing. So as a teacher, as a primary school teacher in two local schools here, did I stand at the front of assembly or in front of my class and preach the gospel? No. Did I read my Bible stories to the kids every single day? No. Did I hand out local invites to church events and things that were happening? No. Well, is that really reaching out then? Absolutely, because I did walk around my class daily and pray for every single child. Every night, I prayed for each child in my class. I was able to show love to kids and families who honestly didn't know what it looked like to love someone or also to be loved by someone. 
I was able to demonstrate grace and forgiveness when someone lashed out. I was able to show that I remained passion-filled and full of joy even when the school terms got tough. I was able to show that I was that my heart was fully committed to my job because I knew that I had Jesus sustaining me and I knew that I had something inside me that I had to share with those people. So I was reaching out, reaching out by loving people, living a life that honored God, surrounding myself with people who weren't like-minded, surrounding myself with people who didn't fully understand, didn't have this concept of a man named Jesus. But when they met me, they met someone who was joy-filled. They met someone who was forgiving, someone who was gracious most of the time towards them. And it starts conversations with people. That was my reaching out. I didn't have to stand on a platform, gather the whole school together, get all the teachers here and tell them about Jesus. But in every area, in every sphere of influence, in every place that you are, your home, your work, your friends, your family, whoever it is, you can reach out there by simply living a life that honors God and being obedient to Him. I'm just going to invite the panel to come up now. We really, we can't get these things wrong. If we are truly growing in our relationship with God, reaching up to Him, the next natural thing is to reach into ourselves. What things can we do? What gifts and abilities, the fact we can walk, does that allow us now to walk on water? Well, we can walk and let God do the supernatural, right? We can go to houses and we can enter them because we can do that and then we allow God to do it. As Ananias reached out and put his hand on Saul, we can do that and allow God to do what he needs to do. As we reach up to God, reach in to ourselves, seeing ourselves through God's perspective, And we can't help but reach out and tell the world about a God who loves them. Thanks. Hey, well, thanks for that, Jeremiah. Very thought-provoking and inspiring and encouraging and challenging, which is a good combination of things. Hey, uh, welcome to uh, this moment. We've got an opportunity to have a chat through what Jeremiah's been talking about and uh, possibly engage some of your questions as well if you send them through. Uh, and on our panel tonight, we've got down the end here, Harrison and Evie, Jeremiah, and I am Dave. So, Jeremiah, thank you for bringing this series, I guess, to a, a conclusion of sorts uh, with these three ideas, reach up, reach in, reach out. We've spoken them on them in a very specific order, right. and we've talked about them in that order. And I think uh, just before we get on to anything else tonight, specifically what you're talking about, I want to talk again, why does that order matter? Why, does, why is the sequence reach up, reach in, reach out, and how important is that uh, to making it all work? Well, I think naturally we always want to go and we want to do something first. Well, I think, well, for me, anyway, I, I see a need and I want to go, oh, let, let's do something about it. I always want to get involved and go, well, I'm good at this, let's just do it. Let's just make it happen. But if my primary reach isn't to God first. So if I'm reaching out or looking at what I've got to give out before I've ever gone to God, it's never sustainable. And is it really what God wants? See, out of my relationship with God, I know where he's leading me, what he wants to do, 
where the direction that he's taking us. And so out of that relationship, then I'm following his leading to then use the gifts and things I've been given right. to then reach out to other people. So I think, I think it's hugely important because if you try and reach out first, are you really doing what, what God wants you to do? Or are you just doing it in your own strength and you become weary, you become unsatisfied with things? But if you're doing it out of a first relationship with God, then you're doing it for what he wants to do. Cool. I think there's a danger to uh, which if you are doing it in your own strength and you're doing what you want and you're reaching out, there's that actually temptation then is, well, actually, I quite like the glory for this because I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. So if you could give me the thanks for that, that would be really great. Okay, so reaching up first is really important. Why do we have to reach in? Why can't we, why can't we jump straight from reach up to reach out? Why is, what's the reaching in helping us do? Well, I think you have to get your mindset straight about it as well. So... Mm-hmm. God can give you a plan, but if you're not sold on it as well, then what's the point of going into it, not committing your whole heart to it? Um, and I think that's why you've got to reach in first before you can reach out, so you put your whole heart into what you're doing. Yeah, and I'd agree with that, but also it's, you know, it can be a bit misguided if you're just reaching out instead of reaching in first. You're not playing to your strengths. You're not using the gifts that God's given you, and you're just sort of going out and spreading yourself wherever. It's not really you know, what God's plan is for you. It's like if, you know, if we want to really influence all areas of society, if we want to be people who carry the light into every area, into every place, then you want to carry that light, you want to carry the good news of Jesus well into those places, right? right. So if, if I started all of a sudden going to, to the football that happens every, you know, during the week that Harrison plays, and I started trying to do that. Well, that doesn't really give God the glory because I'm not very good at it. Right. It's not a strength of mine. And so does it really give God the glory? It's kind of just some, some idiot running around a field chasing a ball. Yeah. When actually if, if Harrison's doing it, it's a gift and it's an ability that he's been given. And when people go, man, you're so good. He's like, yeah, that can reflect God because God's given me that gift and ability. Yeah. In the same way, if someone walked into my you know, classroom and started trying to teach and they didn't actually have an understanding of how to teach or how to be nice to children, it, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. And so that people aren't going to look at them and go, wow, they're so in love with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't fit them. It doesn't work. So we need to carry it well into every area, which right. means we play to the strengths and abilities that yeah. God's given each of us. And you touched on it's not just strengths, it's passions as well, right? So it might be that you might be okay at something, but if you don't care about it, then again, like you say, I don't love the kids. I might have this ability. I might have knowledge that I can pass on. But if I don't actually, if not passionate about teaching, then I'm still not going in the area. So, okay, so I'm going to ask you a question. What if you're passionate about something but not good at it? Well, then you've got to come back. You have to come back to step one still. Okay. Because I think calling is really important in some of these things. Um, and well, not in summer, in all of it. Um, and so, yeah. But then you might be. But then there still might be a way. Okay. So let's uh, basketball. Passionate about basketball. But that might mean that I meet with other people who are passionate about basketball, as opposed to going and joining a, a basketball team and trying to. You know, I, I, it's not my mission to save the NBA players, right? Because I'm I'm not going to get access. I'm not going to be on their team. All right. But I might find a group of people in Christchurch who follow the NBA. And so I can share the passion that I have for it, but not necessarily the skill or strength, but it might be something I can still do. Um, Harrison, okay, so Jeremiah is rubbish at football, clearly, he just told us, but you're not. Um, So how do you see then this 
you, let's say, we'll, we'll assume that you've gone through a reach-up process, we'll assume you've gone through this reach-in, and now how does then captaining a football team actually allow you to reach out? What does that look like for you? Um, to give a bit of perspective, this year has been quite a difficult year um, for my captain role. Um, we're sitting bottom of the table at the moment, um, and we've had one win in the season, just to put in a bit of perspective. So, um, Trying to captain a team that you're continuously kind of going through loss after loss after loss, um, it is difficult, but the the way the main thing that I've had to do, and it's like what Jeremiah was saying before when he was preaching, when he goes into the classroom, he doesn't go and hand out the flyers for the Sunday and doesn't do all these other things um, publicly. It's about the actions that you portray as, as you're doing it. So what I'm doing in the training field, what I'm doing on the football fit, pitch, um, just the, the actions that I have um, and how I show myself and how I present myself to the others around me and my team is um, how I can direct and lead them. Um, I remember a quote that, um, I can't remember who said it, but um, sometimes you're someone's only Bible, um, and so that is through your actions, not, not necessarily, I suppose it comes in what you say as well, but predominantly through my actions. Um, and like out, out of that, I've had some awesome like God conversations with people um, just over the years with great teammates that I've become friends with and everything like that, which has been pretty cool. And I, th- I think that last bit's important is it, it is also to the point of you want to have conversations with these people. Yeah. Mm. You do mm. ultimately want to have them know a full relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. But it's about timing it, as well. It, absolutely. That. So yeah. for some people, it'll be a, you get to know them and an hour later you're leading them to, mm. to, you know, to Christ. That's great. But for other people, it'll be 10, 20, 30. You, you just you don't know, but you continually live life with them. And, yeah, and let them know about well, it. Well, another quote that's kind of mine. Uh, sometimes somebody's front door is heavily guarded, so you've got to find a way to their back door. Um, and so that's just getting to know them better as a person before you can start having these conversations with them. Uh, Evie, football's not so much your passion. No. No, but you are heavily involved in, in this broad term youth work, right? Yeah. So could you... <laughs> yeah, youth work. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what you do and how... what? What drives you? Because obviously youth work can be extremely rewarding, but most of the time, let's be honest, it's, it's actually not. Um, so, so what drives you then to reach out over and over again in this area? Um, I guess it's really, the highs definitely pay, you know, it's good payoff, but... Um, <laughs> Jeremiah's laughing because he knows it's true. Mm, hey. um, for me, it was, I definitely felt called to do it. You know, like, I got... So the end of last year, I was looking for a job, and I'd been working at the after-school program here for about six months. And, you know, that was great, but that was six hours, and it's not great pay. So, you know, um, <laughs> needed something to supplement that. And I was looking online, and I was looking for a job, and there was nothing. Um, and I basically went, okay, God, you've got to do it, because, you know, I can't find anything. And a week before Christmas, I had youth work sort of dropped in my lap and asked if I wanted to do it. And it was just such an answer to prayer. So it was a result of reaching up and going, okay, God, like, I need you to come through here. Um, But it was also reaching in and going, okay, what do I like doing? Like, I've done retail, I've done customer service, did not want to go back to that. Um, I love working with kids, and I loved working with these kids. And God went, yep, perfect, here you go. You get to work with them, you know. Now I get to work with them 25 hours a week, which is a big up from six. So it's really great. Um, So what what age 
kids after school is obviously primary school and the yeah it's all the way from year one to year eight I get to work with and that was the other thing like I knew um, one of the high school youth workers was leaving and I sort of thought like when I got approached oh yeah maybe they'll offer me that job but I'd prefer working with the younger kids yeah. and um, yeah they were like oh yeah one of our youth workers from working in primary is leaving and I was like okay I'll take that like and she's awesome at it. <laughs> It's just so good to come in because Evie's there five days a week now at after school program. Um, and just to come in and the kids love her more than they love me, which is a good thing I've decided. Yeah. But, you know, they, they want to say hi to her first. And when we walk into the school gates, it's hi, Evie, not hi, Jeremiah anymore. Um, but it, it's just so cool to see someone come into that role, you know, having spent some time with the kids last year, yeah. but to come in this year. And just fully embrace it and do such a, an awesome job at it. Yeah. Um, it's just it's, it's awesome to see. Um, we, we're just about out of time. Last question here then. Uh, Jeremiah, you spoke about we, we do what we can do and we leave the rest to God. All right. Uh, somebody's asked here, can we really trust that God has them and is going to speak to them? It so often looks like he's not doing anything. So how do we maintain that level of trust with God then that we keep just faithfully doing what we're doing? What, what does that look like? Can I pass it on to Evie? What did it look like for you? Like, you were looking for jobs. Mm -hmm. Did you just stop looking for jobs once you'd given it to God? Or? Um, to some degree. My parents won't want to hear that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was just having to trust and be like, okay, like, you know, you keep looking, but in the end I was approached. And it was sort of just like, you just have to trust. You have to believe that God's going to come through. And as long as you know that you're remaining faithful to him, that he's going to be faithful back. So uh, all the kids in all the kids in the after school program, they're all followers of Jesus. They all oh, love yeah, Jesus absolutely. now. Oh, absolutely. We just one? had this big conversion immediately. Okay. No. no. Um, <laughs> all right. So no. so what does then what does faithful obedience look like in trusting God? And that's does, does God still have them in His hands or absolutely. what? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like Jeremiah said, you you pray for them. You pray on every day, all the time, going into school. Um, you. You can't go in and you can't preach. You know, you can't be going, you know, Jesus loves you because you'll get fired, firstly. Yep. And <laughs> secondly, they're not going to necessarily respond to that. But, you know, these kids, they come from tough backgrounds. They do not have love at home. It's not a safe, it's not a happy place. So I get to go in and be Jesus to them. And I get to show them that love, you know. And, just, and you, you, you sense it when you're with them as well. You know, when, when you've truly reached out to someone and you, you've got that connection, that relationship that you're building with them. You know, it's so obvious with our kids because they, they sit with you and they go, go away, go away, but they won't let you go. Right. Or, you know, they, they just continually want that relationship, knowing that they are fully loved. I sat down with one girl and we, she was having an upset moment because she couldn't find anyone that loved her. She was right. so convinced that nobody loved her. And I said, well, that's, that's a lie. I said, who, who does love you? And she started naming these people, and every one was her leaders at La Vida wow. after school program. Yeah. And said, well, what about, you know, there's, surely there's someone else. And she started naming three people that she'd met at church on a Sunday when a Sunday she'd come. And that, that was her first ten people were all people that they'd met through a program that we have as a church reaching yeah. out into yeah. our local community. Awesome. Before her family, before her, anyone who she spends time with or teaches. But and, and when you have those breakthroughs, you know that's when God is still in it. You know, he's, that's when you see his faithfulness yeah. and the changes in these kids. Last thing quickly. Yeah, and sometimes you can't actually see the fruits of what's, what you're putting in. Um, God's plan is too big for us to comprehend and understand. So you've got to go back to that holistic view um, 
and be like, okay, I'm not going to see some of these things and just accept that. Right. Um, that's where an element of faith comes into, into reaching out. Hey, thanks, guys. Jeremiah, over to you. Cool. Thank you. Awesome. Just as the band comes up, I wonder if you would, um, would you stand with me as we pray? I just want to spend a moment as we, as we go into this next, next worship song. I think some of us need to go back to this, this idea of reach in. Because if reaching out is purely what we can do and is looking at the things that God's placed within us, then really we need to understand what he has placed within us. So just for this moment, just, just ask God, what can I do and then put in your hands to trust you with all that you want to do? What places, what houses can I just go to, go inside and reach out? What people are you saying go to because I'm going to use them in a great way? What people can you invite to your house for a coffee? What people can you have around for, for dinner? What person at work can you just say, hello, I hope you're having a good day today? And just ask God, God, where can I reach out? Where is my influence? What is my platform? You might be someone who never holds a microphone on a stage. But God, where is my place? Just spend that time just considering and asking him.